Hi, this is Taylor, and I'm Beckham's biological mom. And I'm Madison, Beckham's stepmom. And we are best friends, but also just two moms normalizing healthy co-parenting. We are stepping up to the task and changing the stigma built around blended families. Here's our story. Hi, welcome back to Stepped Up Co-Parenting Podcast. Today we're going to talk about differentiation and how to separate emotions from thoughts and actions. Madison, who is currently in her master's for social work and family therapy, has laid out some terms and scenarios that can help families in high conflict situations navigate the tensions that comes with co-parenting. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about um, differentiation, like you said, and how to go from high conflict to maybe resolving some of that tension, some of the tensions that naturally comes with having to share a kid. So first we're going to talk about, um, I want to talk about how the goal isn't to become best friends because a lot of people look at our page and think I would never be best friends with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Or I would never be best. Like, how do you, how are you guys best friends? And I just want to talk about that. First of all, we didn't ever go into this thinking that we were going to be best friends or even friends, right? Mm-hmm. There was no, that was never the point of any of this. It just, well, we just it all started with it. Beckham. Yeah. It all started yeah. with Beckham and that's how it turned into what it has because we've hurdled that how to share Beckham problem. And we have now been able to be in a place where we can become friends. And, and that wasn't the goal. I w- that w- goal wasn't for me to become friends with you. The goal was for us to happily co-parent, like you said, and to learn how to create a good and happy and safe place for Beckham. What happened after that was just awesome. So it's okay if you don't go into it thinking that you don't want to be friends or you don't go into it thinking that you do want to be friends because we didn't either. And that's totally okay. And it's okay if, if you never are friends or if you never will be friends, because that's not the point here. The point is to co-parent for the sake of the kid and for the sake of your own mental health as well. So I like the quote, and many roads lead to the same de- destination. And I just like it because Um, you know, our story, we started out pretty high conflict. And I think a lot of co-parenting situations or um, separations of the bio parents do start out very high conflict. I've never met anyone that hasn't started out very high conflict just because um, they wouldn't be separating, right? If you were, if there was not any conflict. Mm -hmm. And so um, if your story starts out different than ours, that's okay. If your story starts out higher conflict than ours did, that's okay. Um, we just want to talk about how many roads can lead to the same destination. So the goal is to get to be able to positively co-parent and however you get there is just fine. Do you want to explain the definition of high conflict? Because as you said, people go onto our page and see us and they didn't realize that we actually started out high conflict and what the actual definition of high conflict is. So everybody out there thinking that they have a high conflict situation, that this isn't possible. Like we get comments on our page all the time saying, oh, that's so nice for you guys, but we have a super high conflict situation here. And so that'll never be possible for us. Well, so did we. So we're here to tell you that anything is possible. So give that definition real fast. Yeah. So a high conflict parent is someone that wants complete control over their kid, their ex, the situation, um, other parents involved, 
just pretty much the whole situation. They want control over it. So it can look a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different levels of high conflict, but our situation before, um, before now we, you and Gentry couldn't even talk, right? You couldn't oh, no. be in the same room together. You couldn't look at each other. You, both of you. Everything just ended in anger and tears and frustration. And there was just no real communication involved. It was, mm -hmm. like we said, everybody just kind of grasping to what control they had left over the situation. And none of us really had any because it was just so stressful and so different. And because we had to go to court, there was rules set by the state that we had to follow whether we liked it or not but it was all in beckham's best interest but in that time it was so hard to see that because of course we both wanted what was best for beckham but we come from these family dynamics and we're all we all have different family dynamics and specifically for mine having a two parent household who are still together and having them raise us and now that idea of a family dynamic was kind of stripped away from me and so it was hard for me to adjust my expectations and know that beckham's gonna have a new normal and that's okay and it's gonna be normal for him so he's never really really gonna know but sad to say he's never really gonna know anything different from having a two-parent household and so you can't really miss something you didn't have and so that's the mindset yeah. i had to take over exactly and from there it was just me trying to let go of the control and same with gentry so yeah so like in your situation it's almost like you had to grieve a relationship maybe not even the relationship but the idea of the relationship right yeah so yeah. you you didn't have to you had to get over the fact that beckham was never gonna have what you had and mm -hmm. that's hard and yeah so that creates emotions which creates high conflict and so i had a professor once say that High conflict is anybody who has to go to court, which anybody that is in a co-parenting relationship or anybody that has to share a kid, um, they know, right? It's almost everybody. So I think that a lot of people are high conflict and yeah, there are different levels of high conflict like we talked about before, but every situation is hard. And so don't think your situation is um, less hard or don't think that our situation wasn't hard because we started out very high conflict as well. And that doesn't mean that if you're in a high conflict situation again, that you can't accomplish any of this. Yes, exactly. Because like we said, we did and we are here and we are friends and it works for us. So it can work for you as well. Okay. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is my professor, Melissa Morell. She is who taught me all of this. <laughs> she's the best and best professor I've ever had. She's a stepmom and she's been a family therapist for a lot of years and she just gets it. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and let her know that um, she says she listens to this. So hopefully. Yeah, if you're listening to this, thank you. Madison talks so highly of you. Yes, I do. You're awesome. Okay. Okay. So the first thing we want to talk about is differentiation. So differentiation is having the ability to create and hold boundaries and being able to distinguish ourselves from others and our experiences versus others' experiences. That's kind of a hard topic, but we want to talk about it um, 
first we're going to talk about it just in general, but we want to relate it to co-parenting. So a differentiated person can separate their emotions from their thoughts, which like we talked about, emotions are huge in co-parenting, um, especially in the beginning, but really all the time, it's just emotional to have to share your child, emotional to have to see your child with other parents, a different mom, right, Taylor? So yes. it's, hard to, it's hard to have to share your kid, no matter how good the situation is, it's still hard for us. So being able to separate your emotions from your thoughts the second one is separating themselves from other people. So a differentiated person can um, look at themselves and look at someone else and say, um, we can do different things and that's okay. Like there's not necessarily one right way. Both can be right. It depends on your situation. Next is separate the past from the present, which again is huge in co-parenting because there's so much baggage and emotional trauma that we've all had to deal with. So that's hard to just let go of the past. And then um, number four is separate subjective from objective, which means we don't confuse opinion versus fact. So I think that's a big one for co-parenting as well, because you look at someone like our situation, I look at you and from the very beginning, I never thought you were a bad mom, but let's use that for an example. Mm -hmm. I think you're a bad mom, but are you a bad mom? No, that's just my opinion. Yeah. So we are able to separate those two um, and that helps us be a differentiated person. So the higher level of differentiation means that you have a lower level of emotional reactivity, which is what you were talking about before. You and Gentry had to get over all the emotional stuff and everything that came with um, going to court. Okay, so having a higher level of differentiation means that you have a lower emotional reactivity, just like you were talking about before with the situation with you and Gentry and all the emotion that it caused after going to court. Mm -hmm. um, and then having the ability to live with your emotions without unhealthy coping mechanisms. So an example that comes to mind is without having to medicate yourself with alcohol or something like that. The next one is you're more independent. So you don't necessarily care what other people think of you. You're going to do what you want to do because it's your choice and you're less vulnerable to stress, which we've talked about before. And that is a huge one with co-parenting, right? Uh, yes. That one is a big one for me because I remember I would be so stressed out of where, what's going to happen? Where am I going to have to make sacrifices? Am I nervous for when Beckham leaves? Who is he with? Do I, do I trust the parents involved in this? And now that we've been able to talk it out and I can separate my fears from the way I can react has made it so much less stressful to I can send him off and yeah, obviously it's gonna suck, but I can send him off and I am not worried about his well-being and a lot of the stresses that come with co-parenting. Yeah, and I think that um, with Beckham, but even take Beckham out of it. Um, I know the first few times that we talked, it was really stressful for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that even like all of that is gone, right? I mean, obviously oh, yeah. we're here. We have a podcast, so there's no stress involved. <laughs> yeah. But I think that really stressful because you have to 
like you have to take on that stress every time that you exchange kids, right? Well, then so, like, you didn't know how the the other person was going to react because exactly. like like when I would text you, I didn't know if you immediately had just heard all of this crap about me and that you automatically hated me and you were just going to be standoffish from the start or if you were going to be nice or, you know, you just never know. And I'm sure you had those exact mm -hmm. same thoughts about just me talking to you, you know? So yeah, that, exactly. that's been a big stress relief. Yeah. And it's nice too, because, um, like a lot of people say that it depends on their co-parents attitude, where they stand, you know, or where they're like, if they're having a good day, then everything's good. But if they're having a bad day, then yeah. everything's bad, you yeah. know, uh -huh. and we don't have to deal with that. But I know a lot of people do. So being differentiated means that you are put in that situation, you just say, that's their stuff. And I can deal with my stuff. Uh -huh. And we're separate people. And, you know, it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with yeah um anything that i can control same thing with kids i think um being a step parent sometimes kids say things mm -hmm. beckham's really little so i have not had to deal with a lot of that but i know like the you're not my mom or um yeah. you can't tell me what to do you're not my dad stuff like that yeah. being differentiated means that yes that's probably gonna hurt no matter what but you can think like that's not about me it's because the kid is having a hard time with the situation. Mm -hmm. And so being differentiated means that you can separate yourself um, <laughs> from the emotion, from the stress, from all of the stuff that comes with co-parenting. It's kind of going back to the basic concepts. Oh. When you were little and you had a bully, not not saying it was a bullying situation, but you had someone being a bully to you, you have to realize, like I remember my parents telling me this, is that they think that about you, but they don't know you. They don't know the choices you've had to make. They don't know the different life situations you've been in to be who you are. So who they see is not who you actually are. You know who you are and don't let their version of you make you think that you're different than who you are. And that kind of, just when you say this, it kind of relates back into the parenting and if other co-parents say these things, they don't know. Like, like I was talking to you about this earlier of people who are in co-parenting situations trying to give me advice on how I co-parent and how I need just to parenting react. in general, right? Yes, just parenting and in general, but they don't know it's your situation. Completely different. Uh, it's completely different. different. And mm -hmm. the, the situations that I put myself in or the choices I make for my kids and my family, I make because that's the best case scenario for me and for what we've been through and who we are as different types of people. And that's different for every family. And so I think that's mm -hmm. something that people have to realize is that every situation is different. And just because one person says, oh, you need to do it this way, you make the best choices for yourself and don't let their opinions of you take away from who you are as a parent and who you are as a person. Exactly, yes, that's exactly differentiation. So an example that I have here um, is, being differentiated from your child. So knowing that, so let's talk about Beckham. His failures are not our failures. We're all different people and that is being differentiated. So say Beckham is failing one of his classes and he's not doing well on a test and me and you, we could sit down and we could do his homework for him because we understand it and it will make his yeah. grade go up. Yeah. But then like it's not doing anything for him, right? we we're trying to set our kids up for success and that's yeah. not setting your kid up for success. So what will set them up for success is 
allowing yourself to be differentiated from your child and knowing that his failures doesn't mean that you're a bad mom or his success. I mean, yes, you set your kid up for success, but he made the choices to be successful. We can set up really good choices for him and be like, okay, when you have a test, here's how you succeed. You study, you have flashcards, you do different ways to remember this and do well on the test. But whether he chooses to do all that stuff is up to him. So we can set up guidelines that they're their own person. Yeah, and that's just with everything, just with your co-parents as well. You want to set you want to set them up for success, right? Because then that ultimately sets your kid up for success as well. If you're setting your co-parents up for success, Mm -hmm. but if they choose not to follow the court orders or if they choose not to take the time and spend the time with their kid, that doesn't reflect you as a mom Mm -hmm. that reflects them. So you can still be a great mom and you can still be a great parent. And that's, the other parent's choice. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes total sense. So how we become differentiated Mm -hmm. is we learn to manage our emotional reactivity, which we already talked about. We set and hold reasonable boundaries within the relationship. So that means maybe we stick to the court orders until it's possible for us to work together for the sake of the child. Um, The next one is avoid taking on other people's feelings emergencies, crisis, or desires. Okay, so moving on, we want to talk about alienation. And alienation is the psychological manipulation of a child into showing unwarranted fear, disrespect, hostility, or avoidance towards their other parent or other family members. So if you are training your child to avoid disrespect or disrespect the other parent for no reason, you are alienating them from a loving and caring parent, which is in the long run only going to hurt you and the relationship that you have with your child. So it it hurts them because in, in their minds, it makes them feel like They're it puts them in the middle. Yeah, it puts them in, a, in the middle, makes them ha- feel like they have to choose, which should never happen. And then... Um, yeah, it makes them feel like their other parent doesn't love them or doesn't accept them, doesn't want them. Well, like so, in this, you bring up like unwarranted fear or hostility. So if you're, if you're, let's say you're under a court order, because that's what me and Gentry have, no matter what, they're going to have to go see their dad. They're going to have to go see their mom, unless you're going to not follow the government rules and that in itself. But if you're going to talk bad about that other parent, you have you have to think about the effects it's going to have on your child because they're going to go over there. And yeah, you in the short term are making them like you a little more than them. But while they're there, think of the feelings they're going to have. They're going to be afraid and they're not going to have you. They're going to think their parents crazy and they're not going to have you. And they get to feel all of these feelings alone because of the ideas that parents put in their child's head. And that's what they don't see is the after effects. They only want their child to feel the things they want them to feel in order to make themselves look good. But they don't think about the repercussions that has for their child during those times. Yeah. And This is talking about unwarranted fear as well, like you said. So if there is a reason to be fearful of somebody, don't teach your kids not to be, of course. Mm -hmm. But this is unwarranted fear. So the biological parent 
parent has done nothing wrong, they're a loving, caring parent, and you're teaching your kid to be scared of them or to avoid them or disrespect them for no reason other than your own selfish needs. So that is alienation. If your child should be scared and there is a reason to avoid that parent, that is completely different. This is when there's nothing wrong and you just create a situation that will harm the child. Another professor of mine talks about when you're doing that, you're making your child choose, right? They're having to choose. You're putting them in the middle and making them choose. And if you think about it, there's always a chance that they won't choose you, right? So if you're making your child, if I sat Beckham down and I said, Beckham, sorry, dude, it's either me or mom, like it's either us, then there's a chance that he won't pick me. And then I just don't have Beckham, Mm -hmm. right? If I make him choose. So why would you make your kid choose? Because there's always a chance that it's not going to be you. So doing that is not only going to affect the child, which is going to affect them a lot, but it can also really, really affect your relationship with them as well. Yeah. And other thing is men and people are terrible spouses, but they're perfectly great parents because the skills needed to be a good spouse and the skills needed to be a good parent are completely different. And so just because your ex-partner, whether you were married or not, was did not treat you well and was not supportive or loving to you does not mean that they won't be supportive and loving to their children because, like I said, it's completely different. And so alienating your child because they were a bad partner, like I said, does nothing but harm the child. Yep. You need to base it off of them as a parent, not them as a partner. Okay. So next we're going to talk about the winning and losing mindset after court. So going into court, there's always a winning and losing mindset, right? That's how it's set up. (laughs) There's, there's not, which if you think about it, it's really a lose-lose situation. There's no, there's not like a, to be perfectly happy, you want your kids all the time, which rarely happens. But for the child, in order to be really happy and everything be perfect, your parents would still be together, right? So it's a lose-lose situation no matter what. And so um, we need to get out of the winning-losing mindset after court, which I think is a big reason why we are friends now, because we could get out of that. And I think it's it's really hard to get out of. Because- oh, it is. Well, an, an example was, um, I remember, like, there were certain incidences in court where gentry had to give a little and i had to give a little and i was super pumped that okay i got i got what i wanted here and i get this time with beckham and he gets this time but then if my mindset hadn't have changed prior to here i would have felt like crap as i sit and i watch beckham miss his dad and i get to sit and, and, and you've seen it too watch him cry he sits and he goes outside and he pretends to be his dad and I see how much he misses him. And if I felt that winner loser mentality, I wouldn't have given in and maybe given Gentry that extra few hours every Thursday that he typically shouldn't get or things like that. Um, Basically what I'm saying is that if I would have held that standard, there wouldn't have been no room for manipulating things to work best for us. I wouldn't have given in to Gentry, therefore he wouldn't have given in to me in those situations. Like I always tell him, like if his brother had a baseball game, 
you can get Beckham and you can go take him to that because that's important. And he does the same for me. And mm -hmm. I had to, and I, I don't know about Gentry, maybe he had to as well, but lose that mentality of I won this and you lost this and I'm better than you because in the long run, it is about Beckham. I would give some of my days up if Beckham really needed to be with you and his dad. You know what I'm saying is his well-being mm -hmm. comes way before what you won and what you lost in court. Obviously, they're mm -hmm. great rules to follow by. And I know Gentry mm -hmm. says this too of these court orders are for people who just can't figure it out, you know, they're always going to fight. Mm -hmm. And this is a guideline that we do follow for holidays and things to take out that tension. But because we have, like you said, taken out that winning and losing mindset, we now share holidays together. Mm -hmm. And we've and it's, it's almost like we've changed it from winning and losing to yes. like winning, winning, right? Winning and because, winning, especially yeah. for Beckham, though, because everything we've changed is so he gets to be to the important things for you as often as he can and he gets to be there for the important things for me and he gets to see all of us together for those specific important things for beckham which i think mm -hmm. is the most important part of this whole thing so like yeah. being able to change that mindset does so many amazing things for your child and then for you yeah exactly and like you said especially for Beckham because he doesn't have to miss a family vacation with you guys because it's mm -hmm. our time because we yeah. can allow him to do that because for Beckham and yeah. same with you. If, if we have a family vacation or if we need him for something specific, you mm -hmm. allow us to do that, which yeah. has created our relationship to get out of that winning, losing mindset. It's just mm -hmm. about Beckham and it, that's what works for us. Yeah. So when we set boundaries, we need to, set a boundary focused on communication, which we do by the group chat, mm -hmm. right? We, we focus on only communicating about Beckham through the group chat, which allows, it's a boundary that's been set and it allows all four of us, all both step parents and both bio parents to feel included and help make decisions about Beckham. Yep. Um, and then Especially focusing on communication, we need to focus on communication, um, what's being communicated and to whom. And so I've talked about um, grown-up things. So when we talk about grown-up things, that's things that the kids shouldn't have to worry about. And I got this from Melissa as well. And she talks about grown-ups need to do grown-up things and kids need to do kid things and they should never mix right? We should not allow the kids to discuss their schedule. We should not allow the kids to be involved in discussions about child support. We should never allow our kids um, to be put in the middle of like big life changes such as remarriage or maybe having another baby or moving, something like that. That should never be the kid's responsibility mm -hmm. to communicate to the other parent, right? Yep. So we what we do, we use the group chat. And so say we are getting married. I wouldn't have told if me and Gentry were getting married, Beckham was really little, but say Beckham was 10 years old. If I told Beckham to say, okay, when you go home, make sure you tell your mom, like me and your dad, me and your dad are getting married. That puts it on the kid. And that takes the kid into the grown up level of having to talk about grown up things. 
Yeah. Well, then he also gets to see the emotions of you being afraid to tell me face to face and having him kind of mm -hmm. like do dirty work and then seeing the emotions of the other parents reactions to that mm -hmm. and then i feel like that also again makes them want to pick a side let's say exactly like, i was upset about you guys getting married he's gonna be like well crap am i gonna be happy for my dad or am i gonna feel bad for my mom like and a they loyalty should, bunch, they not, right yes yes mm -hmm. they shouldn't have to deal with that because that only messes with their minds going forward. Like that's just like one of the things that was like so heavy for me as I was pregnant and me and Gentry chose not to get married. And this is why I feel so strongly about it. Apart from, I was scared that I was gonna have to be a single mom and make these decisions. But the thing that kept me up at night and the thing that I think I cried most about is that Beckham would have to potentially be put in situations that is gonna hurt him and that he's gonna have to grow up maybe thinking that one side loved him more than the other. And you know, just all, all those emotions that go with it. Like I was, I felt like I was pretty aware of things he's just gonna have to go through based off of like experiences that I've been through with my friends and them coming to me crying because their dad was fighting with their mom and it was just so heavy on them and they shouldn't have to be in that situation. So that's, exactly. yeah. I just feel so strongly about this that you should not involve them in these things and be a grown up and own up to your decisions. And you have to solve these problems because your child had no choice in this. Your child did okay. not have a choice in any of this. Your child did not have the did not make the decision to tear the family apart. They didn't make the decision to um, be living at two different houses. I mean, that's not fun, and that is hard on a child. So we never want our child to feel like they're the middleman, and we want to make sure that we are preserving their childhood, which means allowing them to think about things that a child would think about, rather than having to. Um, force them to grow up and think about hard things like child support, the living situation, remarriage, like we talked about, all of those hard things that a child should not be involved with. And you, that's why we use a group chat. Mm -hmm. And that is what works for us. Okay, so next we want to talk about if your co-parent cannot respect the boundary that you've set on communication. So say one parent is always bringing the child into the middle and always um, making them relay inf information to the other parent. What we're gonna do is we are going to teach our child how to set their own boundaries. So by doing this, hopefully your co-parent will respect the child if they won't respect you, and it will create a space where grownups can still talk about grown-up things and the kids aren't a part of it. So a good way to do that is teaching your child this phrase. So just say, mom, that's a grown-up conversation and please talk to dad about it. Or opposite, dad, that's a grown-up conversation and please talk to mom about it. Leave it at that. They can say that and they don't have to worry about saying anything else. Mm -hmm. And hopefully your co-parent will respect that and allow them to 
preserve their childhood, like we said, and allow the grown-ups to talk about the hard things. Thanks for tuning in to part one of some terms and scenarios that can help families in high-conflict situations navigate the tensions that comes with co-parenting. Tune in next week for part two as we go over different parenting styles and things that the different sets of parents can do to help the child in these situations. Thanks for listening to our podcast and giving us the space to have honest conversations about co-parenting. Follow our Instagram at steppedup.coparenting for announcements about our next podcast. Thanks for listening. We tell everybody.